Good morning, everyone. Luke chapter 10. Now, after a chapter regarding much discipleship in Luke chapter 9 and the sending out of the 12, now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He's going to send now. They've multiplied. Instead of just now the 12 going out, there are 70 going out. They're going out in pairs. They're going to prepare the way for Jesus. They're going out to do ministry. They're going out to preach. They're going out to cast out demons. They're going out to minister. And what a beautiful thing it is. You know, one of the most beautiful times I've seen in church life, some of you know my story. Um, When I was 26 uh, and my wife and I had been married, we were not following Jesus. We were not saved. We were not born again. And we got invited to church and we started attending church. And it wasn't long after we attended the church that some people from that church visited our home to thank us for visiting and just to welcome us. But actually, it was more than that because when they came into our little two-bedroom home in the woods, they shared the gospel with my wife and I in a way that we had never understood it before. And We both that night accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That was October of 1996. And that was the beginning of our spiritual journey. Our lives changed. It was like the light went on. Uh, Shortly thereafter, I was in the woods and I just sensed the Holy Spirit was with me. And God transformed us to, to live new lives for Him. Hallelujah. And what I came to realize later is that those people were actually trained in a ministry called Evangelism Explosion where they learned how to share their faith. And at that time, the church that I was attending uh, was doing an amazing job of teaching people how to share their faith. It was a a 13-week program where you would come to the church, you would have a leader who was trained, and and actually people would go out in threes, and someone would be fully trained, the other two would be in training and learning how to share the gospel. They'd be learning a gospel presentation And then you'd go and visit typically people who visited the church or other means that the leader of that little three-person group uh, wanted to do. And you would seek opportunities to encourage people in their faith, to share your faith. And uh, that's how they came over to my house. They were honoring God, giving a night a week to do ministry. And they came to my home and and led us to Christ. And now, you know, here I am, a, a pastor now since 2009. And and now I'm you know doing my best to help people understand the gospel, and I'm a I'm I'm on the fruit of of their labor, and it's a beautiful thing to getting trained. Listen to what it says again, and he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, meaning there are people out there that need the gospel that even are willing to hear, but the problem is there's not enough laborers, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech or ask the Lord earnestly uh, of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And we have today a real problem in the church. 
in that people are not trained to share their faith. Um, they just haven't taken the time to get trained. And as a result, uh, a many a Christian, good, good believing people, aren't anywhere near as fruitful as they could be in leading the people around them to Christ. And it's largely because they are not trained, and it, it takes a commitment to be trained. I mean, even to the point of just saying to someone, have you ever, you know, have you ever said this to someone? Would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you haven't ever asked someone that question, there's a good chance you haven't ever led someone to Christ. Now, if you ask that question and they said, yes, uh, you know what? I would. I would. Now, first of all, before you'd get to that question, you'd want to share with them the gospel in an understandable way. And and that's another reason why some folks have never asked that question. Would you like to see, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because they haven't presented the gospel to someone before. And it you know, maybe at all or in a way that they can understand. And why is that? Well, it's because most people have never practiced or trained to be able to do that. Uh, so then let's just say you did. Let's say you practiced and trained and you could share the gospel. And then you said to someone, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And that, let's say they said yes. Well, then what would you do? Would you Would you know what to do? Have you been trained in what to do? Could you lead them in a prayer? Could you say something to the fact, hey, you know what? The way to do that is to Confess to the Lord with your mouth that you believe in him and that you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And really a great way to do that is a prayer. And what I could do is I could lead you in a prayer now. You're not praying to me, but we're praying to Jesus. But I could help lead you in a prayer where you would tell Jesus that you believe that he is the Lamb of God who died for you and that he was raised from the dead. And now that you, you want to place your trust in him for the forgiveness of sins and to receive the Holy Spirit. And would you like to do that? I, I can lead you in a prayer. and You can just say the prayer with me after me. But remember, we're praying this to the Lord. And then would you, are you trained in, 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 in the prayer too? So that would be, so this is all stuff that I've spent a, a great deal of time on. After I got saved through that ministry, uh, a year later, they asked me to come speak at their banquet as a, not speak, just share a testimony of how I came to Christ because I was fruit to their ministry so that they could, you know, celebrate at their annual dinner. You know, there were others too, but that, that we had come to Christ. So I agreed to do that. Well, then they said, would you like to become part of the ministry of uh, evangelism explosion? So I got very involved in that ministry and ended up becoming a trainer. And then eventually I was training all the, all the people in the program and I, I, it was one of the most dynamic times I've seen in um, in my Christian life. We had at one time um, over 20 teams of three going out on Wednesday nights. So over 60 people saying, you know what, instead of doing Bible study where I'm just puffing up myself and more Bible knowledge, which is a great thing, by the way, but eventually Bible knowledge should lead to, to doing something for Jesus. So there were 60-some people gathering together at like 5.30 in the evening. We'd have a little snack. We'd do a little bit of training for like 45 minutes, and then we would go out and share our faith to someone. And uh, I, I, I just thought, man, that was beautiful. And eventually, pastoral change, things like that, and the ministry, at least at our church, kind of fell apart. And from what I understand, that ministry is not as still doing an impact in the world, evangelism explosion, but um, there's a there's a problem in the church today in that 
people don't want to give their time to be trained and give their time to do evangelism. Um, it, it really is a, a, a sad thing, to be honest, and something that I had always hoped to change, but I found it, I found it very challenging. Um, I'm going to read it again. And he, say, he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. You know, in fact, even now, I'm seeking to train people at our church. If you go to cometothecrossing.org, cometothecrossing.org, there is a, um, a page there, a drop-down menu, where you can see prepared to share. And I have um, written material. I have audios. Uh, on the presentation to train people on sharing their faith. And I encourage every Christian to get trained. You know, the first person who will be blessed in it is you because you understand the gospel. When you get it down to the point that you can share it with someone else, you'll understand it so much better to yourself. And the first person that you can preach the gospel to is yourself. Hallelujah. And and it'll always be with you then when you when you not only commit to learning it, but try it as you can. You know, my wife and I were at dinner last night, and uh, we we witnessed to a gal named Emily. And you know, I pray she comes to church. We gave her an invitation. But we should we should always be looking to be his laborers. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Oh Lord, raise up more laborers, even in our midst, even in those I influence, God. Raise up laborers. Help me, God, to have people who want to get trained, who want to make a difference for your kingdom. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, inspire us. Call us to your ministry. Go before I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Uh, you know, it's not always going to be easy. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter first, say peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, you your peace will rest on him, but if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those who are in it who are sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your city, which clings to our feet, we wipe off and protest against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Wow. So Jesus would send them out without provision because that way they would have to rely on the people they were ministering to. And it would force them to be in company with others instead of just maybe getting an inn or going out for dinner by themselves, they would interact and be forced to interact and rely on the people that they were with. They were to show loyalty to the people who showed them loyalty, to the people who rejected their message. They're to shake the dust off their feet and move on. Um, but this was a way of of, of sending them out because you know if we can find an excuse to not interact with people, a lot of times we will. Uh, and, and he was forcing them to go in a way where they would have to interact with people. And if they do reject you, he says, I say to you, it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Isn't that something? For those who reject your message, they're going to 
people who ultimately reject Jesus are going to save, uh, they're going to face severe suffering for rejecting Jesus. There's such an important and urgent thing that people know the gospel. Um, heaven or hell awaits based on our response to Jesus. And then he says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Now, those were going to be cities that Jesus was going to go and that these 70 people were going to go to. For if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it would be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in judgment than for you. Now, Tyre and Sidon, especially Tyre, is talked about a lot, T-Y-R-E, in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, in Ezekiel. And it was a city that faced significant judgment and destruction. And he's saying that the destruction that those cities faced, it actually is going to be better, or it's going to be worse for Chorazin and Bethsaida, because he's saying, you know what? If you guys would have came with the gospel, Tyre and Sidon may have even repented of their sin. And if 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 Chorazin and Bethsaida, if they reject the message that you bring, it's going to be worse for them than the destruction that came on Tyre and Sidon. Wow. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you, verse 14. And you, Capernaum, another city they were going to go to, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will be brought down to Hades. Interesting. Uh, facing suffering for not accepting Jesus Christ and his gospel. The one who listens to me, excuse me, the one who listens to you listens to me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. Now remember that. When we would go and if we were to share the gospel and people don't want to hear it, you can say they're rejecting us, but ultimately they're rejecting the message. And he who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. When they're rejecting Jesus, they're rejecting God. The way to God the Father is through the Son, Jesus Christ, who was a representation and an exact imprint of God's nature. And now we come to God through Jesus Christ and everyone needs to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior to be saved. Now listen to this return, uh, kind of a hard warning there and maybe sound kind of negative, but look what actually happened. The 70 returned with joy saying, uh, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Hallelujah. And he said to them, I was watching, uh, this is Jesus now, as though he was seeing them when they went out. He he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. Hallelujah. So Jesus was like getting a vision of their of them going out and how he was with them. And he said the number one thing that you should rejoice about is that your names are recorded in heaven, that your names are in that book of life. Hallelujah. At that very time, he rejoiced greatly. This is Jesus in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and re revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this was well-pleasing in your sight. And what he's getting at there is, you know, um, the simple-minded, the the those who are willing to receive the gospel, and his disciples who were not of any prominence really of as people, they have been given to them. They've been revealed. The, the kingdom of God has been revealed to them. They have received it. 
and 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 those who reject they may have thought of themselves as wise and intelligent but but really they just don't understand they don't understand the gospel and Jesus is celebrating how people who have come to him all things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows who the son is except the father and who the father is except the son and anyone to whom the son wills to reveal him now that's an interesting statement and uh, we should take it in it's 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 more of a calvinist more of a reformed um statement said by our lord jesus that essentially anyone who comes to the father it's because jesus has willed to reveal himself to that person so from this you could take things like being chosen and elected and that basically the only ones that come to Jesus are the ones whom God re, uh, desired to reveal himself to. And, you know, there's something really beautiful about it. You know, like if you, if you're a believer right now, uh, as I am, that God ordained that you would believe God, like set it up, like God had uh, a plan and a hand in you coming to him in faith. It wasn't just something you did. It was something that God said that that one's mine. And hallelujah, I think there's something to celebrate in that, that God has chosen us and chosen to reveal himself to us. And I, I believe it. I believe it's true. Now, the question is, is how do you reconcile that with all the other passages that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved? You know, and, and the answer is, I don't know. The answer is, I'm a, it's a mystery. So I hold both things in my hand, that I'm chosen, that I'm elected, that I'm predestined, all of that. But I also believe that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. The difference between me and a lot of preachers and a lot of people is that I don't think I have the wisdom to say I know exactly how it works. I think we got to be humble and realize that there's some things that are a mystery to God. And, and I hold out the fact that anyone can receive the gospel and everyone who does somehow God knew ahead of time how it works. I don't need to know. That's something that the, the infinite knows and the finite like me can't figure out. But uh, I believe everyone can come to Christ. And I also believe people are chosen and elected. And I just leave it at that. It actually works really well. It's very simple to me. Uh, I don't need to insert or fill in the blank things that God hasn't told me. And he hasn't told me exactly how it works. He just told me both things are true. So I believe in both. Hallelujah. Turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I say to you that many prophets and kings wished to see the things you see and did not see them, and to hear the things which you hear and did not hear them. And this is talked about in other places of Scripture that even the angels longed for the day that Jesus would be revealed. And, and that could be what saying here is that, you know, the prophets wish to see the days of Jesus and, and, and now you get to see them and hear them. Um, and, you know, we live in the day of the gospel uh, instead of living under the law. And praise God that we are blessed to live in that day. And a lawyer stood up and put him, Jesus, to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, again, where, where are we? In, in, we're not even in the church age yet. The gospel is beginning to be preached by these guys, but the fullness of it, honestly, is not even fully known yet because Jesus hasn't died and rose again. So 
this is an interesting question in this in this setting before the dispensation of the church aid. And a lawyer stood up and put him to test, saying, "Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life?" And and Jesus said to him, "What is written in the law?" See, so he's still at this moment. We're still in the the season of the law. Uh, how does it read to you? And he answered, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might." or with all your strength and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So those are Old Testament passages, by the way, and and Jesus brought those in as some of the most significant passages in the Bible, to love God. Uh, with all of your being and to love your neighbor, and if you do those things, you're you're doing well. But now, what it means to love God is to love Jesus. We have to we have to believe in that revelation of God, which came to Earth to reveal who God was. So now it's through Jesus, and we need to love Him with all our soul, mind, and strength. But yes, we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. And now this guy's saying, "Well, who's my neighbor?" And this is where we hear the parable of the Good Samaritan only. Told, I believe, in the Gospel of um, Luke, Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. So picture this guy. He's almost dead. He's been beaten so bad. And by chance, a priest, now this would have been a Levitical priest, was going down on that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Oh, look at that guy. I don't want to be near him. Likewise, uh, a Levite. So now, not all Levites were priests, but all priests were Levites. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does make sense. But So you could be of the Levite tribe and not be a priest, but only priests could come from the Levite tribe. So anyways, likewise, a Levite, who now also is not a priest, or, or who is not a priest, but he's a Levite. Likewise, a Levite, also when he came to the place and saw him pass by on the other side. So he avoided them as well. So God's special people so far are just avoiding them. But a Samaritan, now a Samaritan is someone who believed that worship takes place on a different mount, not on Mount Moriah or not in Jerusalem, but on Mount Gerizim. And they also didn't believe in the resurrection like the Pharisees. The Pharisees and the Samaritans didn't get along. Uh, Jesus did do some witnessing to the Samaritans, but even though he was definitely uh, in combat uh, word-wise with Pharisees, he was de- Jesus was definitely not a Samaritan. So Samaritan was kind of looked at as ah, an enemy of the faith to a certain extent. I mean, they were they were a different Jewish sect, but they were looked at poorly by many of the Jews and the Pharisees. So he's saying, look at this guy that we look at poorly. That's why he's bringing this up because this is just a parable. It's a story. It's not that it necessarily really happened. He's just using it as a, a teach. And he says, but now a Samaritan, people who you don't like. So the, so far, the priest and the Levite just avoided the, the man who was beat up. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him, the one that was beat up, and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii, and gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, 
and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And he said, The one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do the same. So who is our neighbor? Someone who's in need. Could be anybody. And the Samaritan who people look down on did what was right. He did a, a good work. He served others. He helped others. And he didn't even know this man. This was a random person. But Jesus said, this is the person who loves their neighbor, is who goes out of their way to help others. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And you know, inside of woman is many times a natural desire to serve. Uh, and that's a beautiful thing that a woman desires to serve that way. You know, when God made Eve from Adam, he made Eve as a helpmate. And a woman likes to be helpful, especially when she feels loved. She wants to serve and help. And, you know, praise God that uh, Mary wanted to serve. But there comes a time that we have to get our priorities straight and say what matters is Jesus and what matters is people. And we can't be so busy serving that we forget the, the main thing. And the main thing is to keep our relationship with Jesus strong and to love people and help people to know him. So we've got to make sure that our focus is uh, on relationships and people. And it's great to make prepar preparations and it's great to serve. But when it comes time to, the, to do what the preparations were made to do, we got to stop worrying. We got to put away distraction and we got to focus on God and focus on people because ultimately we're not going to get to heaven over the meal or over how clean our house is. But ultimately, what matters in heaven is people knowing Jesus and our own relationship with Him. We've got to make sure that we give people and Jesus a priority over preparation. Hallelujah. So, you know what? Both these ladies are special ladies, Mary and Martha. Uh, but right now, Jesus was present, and it was time to sit down and sit at his feet and to learn from him. And just make sure that if you're a doer, if you're a doer, make sure that you you make an appointment with Jesus, that you take time to spend with him. And uh, that's incredibly important in order to strengthen our resolve and our purpose in this life. Put away busyness and, and sit at the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, God bless you all. I pray that we would raise up more workers for God's harvest field. Um, you know, if you're at our church, I've sent out an email recently about people getting trained. Uh, I hope you take me up on it.
God bless you all.